Well, the sermon is titled, The Power of Example, The Power of Example, and I was just struck uh, as we consider the life of Timothy um, to, to consider a bit of the backstory about Timothy. These are just a couple of verses that point us to some incredible roles that, uh, that people, very important people in Timothy's life played. And uh, before we get to that, I just want to once again say Happy Mother's Day and then, and then kind of cast a vision, as it were, for, for biblical motherhood, Christian parenting or Christian motherhood. What does it look like? And how can we encourage you and fan that flame? Um, there's a few things on your sermon notes that you'll see that we want to journey through. But one that I want to begin with is this, evangelistic motherhood. And you might add grandmotherhood, okay? Evangelistic motherhood. The primary calling of a father and of a mother to their children is to be one of an evangelist. We are called to speak the words of hope and life and gospel to our children to give every opportunity for them to see their sin, to see their Savior, and to run to Him in repentance and faith. And so what I want to just dream a big dream of is, is this call, this, this passage from 2 Corinthians that gives this assignment to all of us. But I would say today the focus here especially is on motherhood. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, new has come. All of this is from God. Now listen to how, how this unfolds. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and assigned to us or gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. Moms, grandmas, this is your opportunity. This is the calling, the highest ultimate calling of motherhood, far in front of everything else, is this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. Think of that. What, what an amazing thing to consider. God could have done this 10,000 different ways, but He chose that the ministry of the gospel, the, the, the calling forth to repent of sin and turn to Christ would come through the likes of us. God is making His appeal through us, and so the call is, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Evangelistic motherhood. There is two pillars, you might say, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to dreaming a big dream for your children. As Christians, distinctly Christian homes, Christian parents. The goal is evangelism and discipleship. It's always the same. It's a two-pronged uh, longing. It's a, it's a prayer. It's a purpose and intentionality. Evangelism and discipleship. Friends, this is all of our goal. As, as a believer, this is what you live and breathe and long for in the workplace, with your family, with your neighbors, wherever you go. Evangelism, discipleship. There are two parallel tracks that the train runs on. They never go away. They run side by side. Evangelism and discipleship. Every time I take the pulpit here today or any other week, that is my goal. Share the gospel. Point people to Christ and build people up in the truth of God's word to do the same. Evangelism and discipleship. So think Monday morning, moms, 
as you're getting ready for the day, oh, remember these assignments. You are an ambassador of Christ, and you are uniquely, probably more so than many others. Maybe uh, the, the only other person who would share that is the spouse in the home. You are positioned to be the ambassador to your children, unlike anyone else. And grandparents, if you have children who are unsaved, then it's you. You have been positioned by God to be the shining light of the gospel to your grandchildren and your children, pointing the way to Christ. The goal is this, supernatural salvation, not simply uh, behavior modification. We are not looking to raise wonderful little law-keeping Pharisees, right? We, We are not just looking for good morals. There's nothing wrong with morals, but let's be clear. Morals don't save. Christ saves from sin. So we're not just looking for you know, children that do the right thing or that nod or stand when they're supposed to only. Mechanical, just robot-like children. No, we're looking for worshipers. We are longing that, that God would do a work through us to stir the hearts of our children to worship the King of Kings. There is no greater vision for parenting There is no greater priority when you consider the purpose of motherhood or for grandmas. Now, the reality is it reaches way beyond that, doesn't it? Think of of this today. You might be here and you're like, okay, first of all, I'm a dude, right? It's Mother's Day. Don't tune out. Not yet, brothers. Listen, this is your calling as well. Everything that I am preaching here today applies to all of us. If you don't have kids, it still applies Moms, dads, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, church family. Think of this role that you just stood, members, to commit yourselves to these parents and to their children. That means that you have committed to pointing these kids to Christ. That means you have a role to play. You're involved in this. Even among close friends, neighbors, fellow believers, this is a calling for us all. So though today uniquely we're, we're, we're addressing moms and grandmas, I want you to all hear this call. I felt this in my own life this week. This is ours collectively. We are the ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us as we walk this out. So I would say it this way, the power of example um, Let me go to this passage in 2 Timothy and show you how, number one, authentic example is so powerful. Authentic example. Verse 14, listen to what Paul says to Timothy. As for you, Timothy, this is Paul addressing just his his spiritual son, as it were. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. Now look at that. So Timothy is a protege of Paul. He is a very courageous man. We just studied him uh, this past week in Philippians and his role, how faithful he was to Paul in the ministry. Ten years at least of following Paul through thick and thin, risking his own life, putting himself in situations that were scary and uncomfortable, and he followed faithfully, serving, ministering, helping Continue in what you have learned, Timothy, 
and have firmly believed. How firmly did Timothy believe this? He was held by these convictions. It wasn't just that he said, yeah, I think it's probably true. No, it is true, and I will lay my life down, if need be, for this truth. What kind of roots helped strengthen this man in the faith? Well, Paul says this. The basis of which he calls Timothy to continue in the convictions that he has is, is that he knows from whom he learned it. So he's to look and consider this. He, Paul is telling Timothy, I want you to look back and remember how God chose to do this work. This was the work of God. Well, how did Timothy learn it? Let's go to chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Paul is writing the beginning of the letter, and he says, As I remember you, your tears, Timothy, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. And then he says this. This is beautiful. It is a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. That is spectacular. So thinking about how the Lord chose to bring Timothy in contact with the gospel, this is the, the path that God chose. There was contact made probably through the Apostle Paul as he journeyed through these two cities, and Lois and Eunice were saved powerfully, as probably Paul proclaimed the gospel. They were saved. And then not long after that, their love and, and their work to point Timothy to the Word of God to, to teach him the gospel, God chose to save Timothy as well. Now, let's be clear. The faith that saves is not something that is automatic. It is not something that you can just say, okay, I pass this to you, boom, it's, you have it. No, this is the work of God. But God delights to save oftentimes through the firsthand front row witness of a parent or a grandparent or a loved one that lives out the faith in an authentic way. These two were a dynamic duo. God saved them powerfully from their sins. They trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and then they began to teach Timothy, to point out the Scriptures to him, to call his little heart to Christ, to turn from sin and trust Jesus as Lord. You say, well, what about his dad? Where, where was his dad? Well, this is interesting. And single moms, I want you to hear this. Hear this loud and clear. His dad, we learn in, in Acts chapter 16, Paul came to Derby and Lystra. This is where uh, Timothy grew up. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek, which means his father was not saved. Very likely an unsaved dad. And there's, there's very little witness to his involvement in Timothy's life. Very little shaping testimony at all from his dad. So Timothy was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, which means his dad was really just not on the scene. Was he in the home? We don't know. But if he was, he was certainly not shepherding uh, Timothy toward Christ. Now, for those who have had situations in a marriage where all of a sudden you find yourself completely uh, oil and water when it comes to Christ, just going separate directions, 
You know the challenge that this can be. Oftentimes, divorce can shatter a home, even over obedience to Christ, faithfulness to Christ. Sometimes the unbeliever will say, that's it, I'm sick of this, I'm out. And the impact on the kids is devastating. But moms, listen to me today. As you walk with Christ, even if you carry this, this, this parental responsibility on your own, God can work. Listen to what God did through a faithful mom and a faithful grandma in the life of Timothy. This man was raised to see Christ. He was pointed in the direction of Christ. He was was shepherded. His heart was pointed to Christ day after day after day. And God saw fit to save him from his sins. So be encouraged, moms. Oh, how hard it is to run the race alone and to try to raise the kids alone or to even be opposed by a spouse who is not concerned with the things of God. Men, you might find yourself in this situation as well. There is hope. God is bigger than broken homes. God can work even through the darkest, the most nightmarish situations. Trust Him and be faithful. Be faithful to the gospel. Run the race. Point the way. Live it out. Shine bright. Living out the gospel is incredible when it comes to the the, the children who come up in that home. I, I like to think of it as, as when, you, when you come into a home where there's Christian parents or a Christian parent, you begin to breathe the air of the gospel. It should be a tangible reality in a home. It's like air that you breathe. And the kids come up in a home where they're breathing the air of the gospel. It is there. It's there. It's over here. It's in, it's in the heart and on display. It's authentic example, but it is not perfect example, right? Don't, don't miss this. Don't, don't feel burdened and say, oh, man, it's Mother's Day. Here we go. Total guilt trip. That's what I wanted on Mother's Day. No, don't, don't hear that today. Hear encouragement. Hear hope. Even though the example is not perfect, the point is that it's authentic, The point is that it's real. It doesn't have to be a facade, a fake show, a switch that you throw. Hey, church face, everything's great, right? No, it's not like that. This is the gospel in real life. This is all of us in this room. We are sinners. We are not yet there. We fail. And when we do, what do we breathe? We breathe the air of the gospel again and again and again. It is that authenticity that is far greater and more powerful than some hypocritical display like we have it all together. We don't have it all together. There are times in my childhood where my parents failed and the Lord pulled my heart to Him and proved the gospel even through their failures as they owned it and turned from their failures and came to me and said, I'm so sorry. I messed up. I I was angry and I shouldn't have been. I sinned against you. Would you forgive me? Oh, man. You talk about make the gospel live. It's moments like that where the, the, the true gospel meets real sinners with hope and forgiveness. These parents, Christian parents, 
moms, grandmas, these words, this is, this is the air that we breathe. Sin, call it what it is. Own it. Don't justify it. Don't pretend that it's not there. It's there. Call it what it is and confess it. Confess it to the Lord. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you sin in the work of parenting, don't just confess it vertically. Bring it to your children and say, listen, kids, I am sorry. I did not respond the way I should have there. I sinned. Would you forgive me as well? Confession, repentance, forgiveness, reconciliation. What does it look like to be forgiven by God? How does it look to go um, with a contrite heart to one another and ask that? Parents, don't think you have to try to present a version of the gospel that's perfect and altogether. It's real life. Parenting is hard, and I guarantee you, we fail at it regularly. It's okay for your kids to know that. It's okay for them to know your mom and your dad, they're also sinners. They need Jesus too. Oh, how God called my heart in powerful ways to Him as I witnessed my mom and dad walk with Jesus in a real way. A real way. Live the answers to their questions before they're even asked. This is one of the things I would say. The power of example is huge. Your life preaches. It's a sermon. Your life preaches a sermon. Before you even open your mouth, your kids have questions that have already been answered. Here's some of the questions that you want to live answers to by way of example as you walk with God. What is most important to my parents? Years ago, I did a survey in the, in the little kids' rooms uh, just five simple questions. Uh, th- uh, this was the first question. What's most important to your parents? A handful of the kids said God. Many of the kids said me. <laughs> Uh-oh. I get it, right? That's good. It's, it's affirmed. But oh, how wrong it is if the children are the center of the, of the focus. It's good for the kids to know I am not the most important thing to my parents. God is. Far and above everything else. What is most important to my parents? Before you say a word, live it. That they might know it. Live your life with God as the treasure. What is it that my parents long for? What do they wake up in the morning and live for? If it is the mighty dollar, your children will know that no matter how many words you say otherwise. Live for Christ. Love Him. Treasure Him. Pursue Him. Now, we're going to get to the part where you speak about Him, but I'm just talking about your heart on display in your life day by day. Moms, when you wake up in the morning, do you treasure God? Do you draw from Him the strength you need to make it through another challenging day of raising these wonderful little kids who are sinners? Right? Do you treasure Him above all else? Do my parents really believe the gospel? This is such an important question. Is church just a time card that we punch because it's what we do? Is that why we're here on Sundays? You want, you want to sow the seeds of, of the exit for your children? Then time card Sunday mornings. We're here. Stamp it. Thank you. Stand up. Sit down. Open. Fruit. 
gone. Nothing in here. Cold. It's, well, it's just who we are. We go to church. Well, hold on now. Is our love for God on display in our attendance on Sunday mornings? Do we really believe the gospel? You know where this, this question is answered? It's when we fail. It's when we fail. It's when our kids fail and sin. It's when, when moments come into our lives where the gospel needs to be in view. Do we really believe it? How do they respond when trials come? I just think about 1 Peter. What, a, what an amazing journey through 1 Peter and to see how God purposes trials to reveal the gospel as real and true. We can bank everything on it. Even if it all falls apart, we've got Christ. We are blessed. So here, there's many other questions your children are asking. Here, parents, just remember this. From the youngest of ages, they are looking and they are assessing. They want to know, do you really believe that Jesus is your only hope in this life and the next? Live it out. Live that gospel before. Oh, the power of not a perfect but an authentic walk with Christ day by day. It's powerful. Authentic example proves, as it were, the truth of the gospel. What is faith? Faith is a, a settled confidence that, yes, it is true. And I would bank everything on it. When you live like that before your children, they will catch on to that confidence. They will see the treasure of your heart. And they will wonder, well, man, that, that's something that I want. And the Lord can stir and begin to draw their hearts through that example without even a word being spoken yet. This is what happened with Lois and Eunice in Timothy's life. Lois and Eunice. So authentic example followed by what I would say intentional instruction. So you purpose to speak. It's not just if it so happens that we come across it or if my kids ask this or that. No, but, but chosen, purposeful, planned, intentional teaching or instruction. Look at how verse 15 dovetails in with verse 14. I'll read 14 and then go into 15. As for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have uh, firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood, or even the word there can mean from the youngest of ages, from infancy, how from infancy you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That is incredible. How was it that he was acquainted with the sacred writings? That is, by the way, the Old Testament. The Word of God. How was it? Well, it was through their purposeful teaching and training of Him and reading it to Him and rehearsing it with Him. Wise into salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Parents, moms, grandmas, this is your opportunity. This is your calling. This is so critically important. Dads, this is yours as well. And just to be clear, so we know this, Fathers, you are the spiritual leaders of the home. You are called to be the initiators, the ones that say, let's pray, the ones that say, let's read, let's, let's do this. But moms, oh, the power and the impact that you are to have. 
in this as well. I love it when I hear the parents reading the scriptures to their kids, being purposeful to, to walk them through discussions and interactions. The sacred writings. Now, for Timothy, who was a, a faithful practicing Jew with his mom and his grandma, this, this was a unique experience. They were walking in faith, according to the Old Testament way, that the Messiah would come, and then he did. And so the gospel begins to reach them, and they're like, oh my word, his name is Jesus. This was the Messiah. He is our hope alone. And they were saved. They were saved. So New Testament is being written as Paul's writing to Timothy this very thing. Think of that. How amazing was it for Timothy to live in this time? We are uniquely blessed. We don't just have the Old Testament, which is, by the way, wise, able to, to, to make you wise into salvation through faith in Christ. His name is Jesus. He's the Messiah. We have the New Testament as well. We are so uniquely blessed by God to have the full canon of God's Word, to have His revelation for us, clear story, not only what has happened, but the, the, the uh, certain future of what is coming, what will happen when He returns. Wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the key. That is the key. Don't miss this. It's not law-keeping. It's not faithful church attendance. It's not be a good boy, Johnny. It is... Turn to Jesus Christ and trust Him alone as Savior. That is the only hope for sinners of all ages. The only hope. Authentic example then comes together with intentional instruction. This is a combination that is powerful. And it's commended by Paul because of its effect that God ordained to have in Timothy's life. Do you want to see firm and rooted convictions of faith and obedience and treasuring Christ in your kids? Then live like that before them and call their little hearts to that through the teaching of God's Word faithfully. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your might. These words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. Now here it comes, the, the diligent, purposeful, intentional call. This is for us here today, all of us. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And when you walk, uh, let's see, talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. What does that mean? All the time. All the time. Constantly. Constant teaching, constant instruction, and living, displaying the obedience to the things that we long to see them embrace and obey. Hmm. We live in a day that is so used to just farming this out. We just we think, well, it's, it's just, that's someone else's job. No, it's not. I play a part. Absolutely, I play a part in this, but I am not the primary voice in the life of your children. You are, parents, moms, grandmas, grandpas, uncles, cousins. Think of the impact. We are called to be teachers of the Word. You say, well, pastor, I, what if I don't understand it myself? That's okay. Get in there with them. Learn with them. Grow with them. But don't wait to the point where you think you can have a Bible degree 
before you start speaking. The call is, let's go together. Come, let's learn. Let's sit down and we'll figure this out. Sometimes your kids can help you. you talk about call their hearts forward. These things are true and they're good. They're good for all of us. Diligent, intentional, faithful teaching and instruction. Faithful teaching and instruction. This is not going to happen by osmosis. This is not going to happen by accident. This requires uh, a purpose and intentionality. This, this, this requires a plan. You, you need to be sitting down and saying, okay, what, where are we at? Where do we need to work this next year? How about in five years? What are, what are we after here? What do we long to see before our kids graduate? And then after that, how do we transition into that, that kind of parenting thing that's like, okay, they're adults now, but I'm still a parent. How can I shepherd and point and encourage? Send a good sermon here or there, right? The, the work never ends. It just changes a bit as the kids grow. Paul will go on to, to say in the next verse that Timothy, uh, the confidence we have is all Scripture is inspired by God, it's breathed out by God, and it is profitable. Listen, listen to the words. To teach, to reprove. Oh, parents, don't forget this. To correct and to train in righteousness. This is all of our, our call here. Parents, as you consider the scope of your teaching, remember, there is a place for godly biblical discipline. The idea that parents in our day are never to say no to their kids, you want to curse your children, then remove that from your language. Oh, we just don't say no, we just redirect. Wrong. The Scripture says correction. The call is, nope, that's wrong. So you instruct, this is not right, this is wrong. And, and I want to teach you that first. So we instruct. You didn't know, okay, so you, you instruct that which is ignorant in your, in your child. They, didn't, they don't know. So you teach. But then if they continue to do that, that they know is clearly wrong, the boundaries are set, and they break those boundaries, then you discipline defiance. You discipline it. And we live in a state and a, and a nation that increasingly just says, well, spanking is abuse. It's not. It can be. It can be. But biblical spanking is love, not abuse. If you spare the rod, you'll spoil the child. So you come in love. You come in self-control. You come for the child, not to, to, to exercise your own anger and rage. No, that's not love. That's not discipline. That's just abuse. You come, you sit down with the child, you explain what they did that they know was wrong, and then you explain how it's sinful. Children obey your parents. It's the fifth commandment. It's the fifth commandment in Scripture, and you call them how serious it is that God has called you to obey me and how serious in trouble I would be if I let you get away with this without any consequence. Then I would be disobeying God. And so you explain it, and here are the rules. In our house, we, we, we take this seriously. God has called us to this, and so I'm going to give you some discipline here, and I want you to remember this before you do this again. And it's loving. It's proportional. It's under control. It's for the child. Parents, love your children in this way. Don't take your cue from the godless darkness all around us. Go to the Word. Go to the Word. Correction is a part of training. It's a part of teaching. It's one of the places the gospel shines. Right? Sin. Own it. Call it what it is. Confess it. 
There is a work then of consequence for sin, but there's forgiveness for sin. And there's a place to, to go when we sin. Oh, the beauty of the gospel moments when you use gospel language in the midst of discipline for your kids. Love them and point them to Christ. Now, more than Bible studies, but not less. More than Sunday morning, but not less. Hear me out now. It's, it's great to see Bible stories. It's great to teach our kids these Bible stories. But what I find often is if all you do is teach them Bible stories, then they may have all these disconnected thoughts of, of, of things and no act, uh, functioning understanding of who God is, of what it means to walk with God, of the gospel. It's more than Sunday morning, but not less, right? So don't, don't think it's less than Sunday morning. No, it's more. So it starts here, absolutely, yes, but then it flows on from there. Here's some categories. Let me just encourage you. This is not going to happen all at once. It's not going to happen in the same season even. But to point you to some ideas, to stir your hearts as parents, as moms, as grandmas, as others, to, to point your children to these things. Family worship. Fathers, this is yours to lead in, to initiate, to sit down with your kids. Read, pray, sing if you want. If you're not big on the singing, then read and pray, right? Read, read, pray, sing. Simple. doesn't have to be a lot, but it does bless your children. It blesses your wife as well. Take the initiative. If the, the husband isn't there, then moms, take the initiative here. Personal devotions. Encourage your kids to read their Bibles, to walk with God as they grow over and over. Sometimes, oh, they get busy. Sometimes they forget. But there is no greater important treasure in the rhythm of their life than to be nose in the Bible, walking with God, delighting in Him, learning who He is. Sunday afternoon discussions, they're built into Sunday. Think of this. You leave here and you go to lunch while it's still fresh in their minds. What did you guys hear today? When they're little, what did you guys learn? What was your story? Tell me about it. And then Take the handoff from the baton from the teachers in there who their job is just to get it started. They're handing to you the baton to carry the rest of the week. So take it from there and run with it. As they get older, talk about the sermon. Go through the notes. What did you guys learn? Did you catch all the points? What, do you have any questions? And then here's what I love. I love it when I get parents who text me a question. Hey, my child asked about this. What do you think? I want to do a good job pointing the way. I'm happy to help. Happy to help. Review the gospel with them always. Go over the gospel. What is the good news of salvation that we are banking our entire eternity on? Know it and teach it. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Basic theology. Who is God? Who is God? Go through a study on the attributes of God. Um, what are some basic categories of theology? I try to help you with this and point you to great resources uh, this week I went through and I took the entire top shelf and I laid out a, a bunch of really great resources for you moms and parents, grandparents, um, to think about how to engage and shepherd your kids to the Lord. So make sure to check that out, the top shelf of the recommended reading shelf. At least a month it'll be up there. Christian biographies are powerful, right? Heroes of the faith, men who lived, women who lived with faith, not compromise. Powerful sermons or books would just say this. We are uniquely blessed 
unlike any other time in history. Think of the access we have to excellent, free material all over the world. Find a powerful sermon and listen to it with your family. Pull your son along. Pull your daughter along. Listen Listen to, listen to this with me. Or podcast. Here's a really good one. I want you to think about this next time you're in school. This is an opportunity. This is a call. This is, again, don't, don't feel overwhelmed by this, but feel encouraged. This is a direction that God is pointing you. And especially today, moms and grandmas. Moms and grandmas. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Then how does it go? So this is it is. Modeling and teaching. Model and teach. First it lives in me, and then it overflows. It comes out with words. Teaching and admonishing. That's a great word. Correcting, directing, training, pointing. One another in all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So it's not just head, it's heart. It's heart. Oh, we love Him. We love Him. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. There is a vision for parenting, a vision for motherhood in those couple of verses. Now, I just want to say a, a thing here. I've been in ministry a number, many, many years now, and, and I just want to encourage you parents, um, never play games with truth. Never play games with truth, okay? So let's just conceive of a scenario where maybe parents are saying things that aren't true uh, because that's the tradition of the family. Say maybe later days of December. <laughs> saying that there's a jolly man who's real. And at the same time saying there is a man who's a savior of sin and he's also real. And your kids grow up and they hear this from you. It's, it's it's hard to separate these two claims. They're truth claims, right? And there's a lot of very connected realities to this and joy and excitement, anticipation. And, and then there comes a day where these kids realize that you were lying to them all of these years. And oh, I know it's tradition. I know you have fond memories. You're lying. Don't lie to your kids. They can't see Jesus either. How do they know you're not lying about him? Don't mess with it. Your children will not suffer if they grow up in a home where they know fact from fiction. That is your goal, parents. So when it comes to losing teeth, tell the truth. You can still have fun with it. You can still sneak around. When it comes to Easter, don't talk about silly Bunnies! I'm just going to come out with it. Easter is not about stupid bunnies. It's about Christ. Do you want to give your kids chocolate? Do it. That's great. Fine. It's not about that, though. Tell the truth with your kids. Always. Tenaciously. May they come to you and trust you fully. Don't undercut your credibility for some silly tradition of a jolly man. I have I've just, I've, I just, it's grown in my heart and I'm so bothered by it. It's got to be said. Set yourself up 
for credibility. Don't pull the rug out of your kids at critically important ages. All right, we'll move on with that. Persistent prayer. This is where we land. Persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Keep praying. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. That is, the one that is drawn by the Father will be raised up on the last day. Okay, remember this. All that the Father draws will come. And I will raise them up on the last day. No one can come unless the Father who sent me, Jesus says, draws him. That includes your children. We say, well, hold on now, Pastor. It says train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart. That is not a promise. That is, that is a calling to, to parents to faithfully shepherd and teach. It is not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. The history of the church proves that's a principle, not a promise. John 1, 12 and 13 To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. How did that happen? Listen, this is how. Children who were born, that is born again, not of blood, just because they're kids of yours does not guarantee anything. Nor of the will of the flesh. It means that they don't have the ability to muster it up themselves. Nor of the will of men. Nor of the will of parents. You can't will your children into the kingdom. But born of God, that is, of the will of God. It is God who chooses, who wills to save. And one of the things we remember in this is that He has ordained that prayer be a powerful part of His saving, sovereign work. Only God can save our children from their sins. You are not Jesus. You are not Jesus. Our job is to point them to Him over and over in 10,000 different ways, in moments as they walk through this life. They may be 48 years old and you're still doing this. Don't quit. Don't give up and don't stop praying. Some of you in this room I know have been pleading with the Lord, oh, please, open their eyes, change their hearts, stir them to be aware of their sin and repent of their sin and run to Jesus in faith. Keep praying. You never know when God may do that work in answer to all of those prayers. Point and pray. Point and pray. The simplicity of parenting comes down to this. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Point to Christ and then pray. Pray, oh Lord, save him. Save them from their sins. I was thinking of Ephesians chapter 1. Paul says this, I did not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So he's praying here. What is he praying? Here's the content. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. This is his to initiate, his to give. That that uh, in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That's what they need. That's what our children need. They need need God to open the eyes of their hearts. 
so they can see him for who he is. That you may know, they need their minds renewed in the power of the gospel. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. This is the longing of the apostle for those in, in Ephesus. This is the longing of the moms and the grandmas, the parents. All of us in this room for all who are unsaved. Kids, listen to me now. There is one Savior of sinners. He is the only one who can save your parents from their sins. And He is the only one who can save you from your sins. His name is Jesus. And you will stand before Him someday and answer to the question, where have you placed your faith? Who are you trusting to be your Savior? There is only one response that will pass. And that is Jesus Christ. He is my only hope. I'm trusting Him alone. I am a sinner. I am not good enough. My parents can't save me. My grandparents can't save me. Only Jesus can save me. I am trusting Him. I have turned from my sins. And I am trusting Him. He is my King. He is my Lord, my Savior, my treasure. Kids, if you're here today and you've never done that, I would just plead with you today. Turn your hearts to Jesus. He is your Savior, your only hope. Your parents have been praying for you, I'm sure. And this may be the day that you say, that's it. I'm done with sin. I don't want sin anymore. I don't want self. I want Jesus to be my Savior. And if you do that today, you trust Him with your life, turning from sin, you'll be saved. Saved from your sins forever. A child of God. Our response this morning. The privilege and responsibility of motherhood. What a joy it is. I just think back on those precious times that Jenny spent with our kids when they were little. The joy of watching the kids grow and learn and, and discover and, and, and struggle at times and work their way through things and seeing God work in their lives. The joy of that day when He saves them from their sins. If God has done that, oh, what a special gift that is. The answer to countless prayers. And then the work of discipleship and, and growing and encouraging them up in the Lord and teaching them in the Word. It is a privilege to be a mother, to be a grandmother. It is also a responsibility. And my, my encouragement to you today is, is to know both of these. Know both of them. To feel the, just the joy of being a mom and also the resource that God brings to you to faithfully live out the gospel and proclaim it to them day by day. Authentic example, intentional instruction, and persistent prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all of the work that you do in our lives. Thank you for the blessing of, of motherhood and for how you have bestowed this gift. We delight in you. We, we look to you in all these things and we say thank you. Oh, Father, strengthen the moms in this place today. Strengthen the grandmothers. May there be Lois and a Eunice in all of these places, in these homes, pointing to you and living out the gospel. 
Lord, may there be an entire generation of young children that come up in this church that breathe the air of the gospel and experience the supernatural, saving, transforming power of Jesus Christ, that they may become the mothers and the grandmothers in the generations to come to carry this message faithfully to the ends of the earth. Lord, build your church, we pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.